Hi, it's Jack here. Welcome to the Optimist Podcast, where we discuss the innovations, ideas and solutions that will change the world and help us tackle some of the biggest issues facing us today. One way that many countries across the world are hoping to tackle climate change is by electrifying many parts of our lives. But storing this energy, often generated by intermittent sources like wind and photovoltaics, is a serious issue. At the moment, batteries aren't that reliable, and when they break, there's little you can do to fix them. So it's just a case of throwing them away and making new ones. This isn't sustainable and uses up a limited global supply of lithium, which is a core material used to make many batteries. But today's guest, who co-founded a company working on the next generation of lithium-ion batteries, believes they've created a battery which is going to revolutionise how we design, upgrade and extend the lifetime of them forever. Well, the scary, the scary statistic for me is, you know, by 2040, from electric vehicles alone, we're expecting 22 million metres cubed of battery waste, just from EVs. And to put that in context, you could fill Wembley Stadium 20 times over, or St Paul's Cathedral 145 times over. Acceleron Energy believe they've created a lithium-ion battery that overcomes all of these issues. By using compression, they're easily able to take the battery unit apart, repair any parts that have failed, upgrade bits when new technology is developed, and take the whole unit apart to be easily recycled. But is this all too good to be true? This time we're joined by Amrit to find out more about this exciting technology. I'm Amrit Chandan, CEO and co-founder of Acceleron, and we're all about creating circular economy lithium batteries. So this is batteries that, lithium batteries which are designed to be reused, repurposed uh, and recycled rather than sort of thrown away after a few years of service. This is quite a, a different idea to a typical kind of startup doing something in batteries. But before you actually came up with the idea itself, what, what were you and your co-founder doing beforehand? How did you guys meet and... Where did this idea come from? So the, the idea very much came uh, about as a lunchtime conversation. So uh, by way of background, I, I, my, my career in sustainability started with a PhD in chemical engineering, um, specifically actually looking at fuel cells, so what impact hydrogen fuel cells could have in the world. Um, after that, I, I worked in the low-carbon vehicle space for a number of years, advising companies on, on how to electrify their fleets um, and reduce their carbon emissions. My co-founder, Carlton, he's from the Caribbean, uh, originally, so he uh, started on this journey um, coordinating solar installations before coming to the UK to study for a master's in business and sustainability. Uh, it was whilst he was doing that master's that he was also a battery engineer on an electric motorcycle race team that took part in the Isle of Man TT. Um, so we both met whilst working at the same place and started out as a lunchtime conversation. We, we both knew the trends that electric vehicles are coming to market in a big way. And this was in the early days when the only electric vehicle really on the market was the uh, Nissan Leaf. And we decided that there was enough of a problem to do with how the batteries would be dealt with when they were no longer useful in an electric vehicle that we decided to leave our, our jobs and, and start a company. So this was in 2016. And uh, we began by taking apart lots and lots of lithium batteries um, and realised that they're not put together in a way that is conducive to their maintenance or repair or recycling. So what we decided to do was redesign the battery so that it could be could be repaired and recycled uh, much more easily. So I guess the, the, the analogy we use is, imagine you're driving down the road in a, in a car and something goes wrong with the vehicle. 
you don't scrap the vehicle, you, you get the vehicle repaired. It doesn't make any sense to scrap such a high value asset. But we don't do this with batteries. So what many people don't realize is that a lithium battery is made up of lots of subcomponents. And oftentimes it's a few of these components which no longer function as originally intended. And rather than scrapping a whole battery, we'd much rather repair it and use it and keep it in service as long as possible. At the current model is literally like you have a you know warranty maybe of a hundred thousand miles on a car uh, or an engine, and then you scrap the engine as soon as it hits a hundred thousand miles, rather than you know keeping it going for another hundred fifty thousand miles. So yeah, just trying to change trying to change sort of that whole model from produce, use, and throw away into one of of uh, circular. Uh, economy, so being able to reuse as many times as possible before ultimately recycling. Yeah, it's it's, it's so important right now, I suppose, especially uh, now that we're having to electrify so many different industries and, and, and things and daily activities as well, that having batteries that you can upgrade and that last longer than just one lifetime is, is so important. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So as more and more renewable energy comes online, as more solar is used and, and wind is used, we need a buffer of energy storage in order to reduce the risk that the sun isn't shining when you need electricity or the wind isn't blowing when you need electricity. So a lot of this sort of intermittent supply can cause fluctuations on the grid, which the grid just doesn't like. So we have to have sort of batteries there to be able to sort of smooth this out and keep everything operating as efficiently as possible. And that gets away from the problem that you read about in the papers that there's all these expensive wind farms that are being paid money to not generate electricity because it's too it's too difficult to actually deal with that on the in the grid. Let, let's take a step back here. So you um, were doing your research before you actually set up the business itself, and you were taking apart all these you know traditional lithium batteries. What were you finding? What you know what's what's wrong with uh, your traditional kind of lithium battery? It's not that bad, is it? So the traditional uh, way lithium batteries are produced is using. Uh, permanent assembly methods so that they're spot welded together sometimes they're glued together um, in order to create a battery pack um, often the energy that you need or the storage you need is larger than a single cell can supply you know, obviously in a, in a mobile phone you'll have just a single cell which is powering the device but you know if you're if you're doing any if you want to power a house for example you need multiple cells together to create a battery pack and the challenge is that you may have an array of a thousand cells and if you have 10 cells or 20 cells which are no longer functioning optimally it can cause the whole battery pack to look like it's no longer fit for purpose so it brings a whole pack sort of performance down and what we need to do is be able to service that pack replace those cells that need replacing in order to actually keep that pack functioning properly the challenge you've got with traditional ways batteries are produced is that the moment you start breaking spot wells or taking apart the glues and the casings you destroy the pack you can't put it back together the way it was first put together. And this is what we mean when we say that it's not conducive to repair or, or recycling. So in order to actually to get around this problem, we had to redesign a way for using compression. So we don't use any permanent techniques. We're just using simple fasteners to be able to actually create a pack that can be opened up easily and the parts that need servicing can be serviced. So that's, that's the challenge we found with, with the uh, traditional way batteries are put together. Let's dive a bit deeper into the design that you and the team have come up with. Um, you're saying it's using compression, which is quite, you know, I, when I'm thinking of batteries, um, I might be thinking of, you know, AA batteries or a car battery or something like that. But looking at the designs for, for yours, they're totally different. So to people who are listening who are, 
you know, have no knowledge of batteries and, and what they are and, and everything and only really understand, you know, the simplistic examples of them. How, how are your batteries different? Really good, uh, really good analogy they used in terms of thinking about AA batteries. Um, lithium batteries aren't AA batteries, but what you do have is if you picture your, your remote control, when you're, when you're sort of changing your, the batteries in your TV remote control, you have some springs and you, you pop the, the blaze in there and that creates, a, that creates a circuit. So at the most fundamental level, that is essentially a battery pack that you've created. Using springs is a kind of compression technology. Um, we're doing something very similar, except there's no sort of metallic springs involved. Um, so we've gone for a slightly different form of compression. But it's the same principle where we have, we have cells that create a circuit under pressure that is easy to sort of take apart. The alternative is spot welding. So this is literally using high temperature weld. So imagine that sort of the case of the remote control. Instead of uh, a double A, you're able to just pop out from the spring. You're actually having to break apart the metal because you have spot welded. You've got a physical connection uh, that's unbreakable without sort of tools uh, between the spring and the, and the battery surface. Does that mean that someone who purchases one of your lithium batteries, could the average person on the street upgrade it or does it still need to go to an expert to, to do that there does need to be a level of technical uh, training involved um because you know the last thing you want is to be sort of rooting around inside a inside a inside a large battery um you know two double a's two double a's aren't going to cause anyone any harm no <laughs> um but but lithium batteries uh if they're treated incorrectly can uh can be quite dangerous so it's there's still a level of technical competency that's required but the good news is we don't have to send it all the way back to to China or the Far East, where a majority of batteries are made, they can be they can be serviced locally, and and that's the beauty of a circular economy approach. They can be serviced without the need for you know more spot welding equipment, which is typically in the factories that produce the batteries in the first place. And I know you're still developing your technology and designing different products, but one that I've seen is called the essential battery, and that seems to be like quite a big uh, chunky piece of kit. Can you describe as visually as you can uh, what that looks like? So we, we took inspiration actually from the Jerry can uh, when designing the, the the lithium battery because we thought, well, in today's the majority of lithium batteries out there in this form factor, so it's a 12 volt, 100 amp power battery. Um, a majority of other batteries in this class are sort of black boxes and they're pretty boring, if I can use it, use that use that <laughs> phrase. Um, and we thought, well, what what would if we're, if we're thinking about this you know, from a, from a clean sheet of paper, wouldn't it be amazing if this battery, you could carry it around easily so it's got a nice sort of handle built into it and it just it evokes the feeling that actually you're carrying around, you know, yesteryear you'd be filling your, your jerry can with, with petrol, now we're filling this sort of energy storage module with, with electricity. And uh, it's really simple to use. It's just you know two connectors, as you would with any other lithium battery. Um, and but if I if I do if I can say so myself, the team have done a fantastic job of making it look absolutely amazing. Yeah, it it does look quite cool. You've you've made batteries look look good, which is I suppose quite hard to do. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not something you typically associate with uh, with a lithium battery that it looks it looks good. But this one is. Uh, yeah, the team have taken great pride in, in how the battery looks as well as performs. Yeah, that, that's an added bonus. Um, in, in terms of actually the uses for this battery, what, what kind of things can you use it for? Can it power, I don't know, a bike or something? Or is it just for charging up phones? You know, what what kind of level, what kind of scale are we on here? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a, it's a 1.2 kilowatt hour module, um, so 12 volt, 100 amp hour. And uh, it can be used for from applications like you know, if you wanted to charge a, a mobile phone, you, you could. Um, but uh, you know, camper vans, caravans, it can be used to charge uh, canal boats, it can power canal boats, and other sort of 
uh, boating infrastructure, all the way to industrial usage as well. So it can it can power telecoms, data centers, uninterruptible power supply, sort of critical backup power. So uh, you know, we were really fortunate to be able to supply some batteries into the COVID-19 test and trace program, which was actually the predecessor of this battery, but the same sort of technology underlying, uh, you know, t- same technology powering it, so a 12 volt 100 amp hour battery. And um, you know that's an example use case where rather than having the engine running in, in those trucks, being able to power the, the equipment, the fridges, the sort of testing kit using the battery saved a lot of emissions and, and you know, helped that program work much more sort of greenly and effectively. You mentioned earlier as well about the circular economy. and I know that's played a big influence in terms of how you've actually gone about designing this battery. Because there is so much battery waste, to minimise that and to make this battery repairable and upgradable and recyclable over time, uh, rather than just throwing it into landfill. But how do you make a lithium battery renewable and, and link up with that circular economy? Surely it's just something that you, you have to throw away. So at some point, the battery will and the materials will need to be extracted and recovered. The key thing is that we actually extract all the value from those batteries before they are recycled. So one of the challenges you've got with batteries, and you hear this argument a lot you know, from the sceptics who will say, well, what's the point in getting an electric vehicle? It emits just as much emissions in the you know, production of the vehicle and then the recycling. And you know, to a point, there, there is an argument there to be made that that's the case. Um, but what we want to do with having you know, enabling the circular economy is rather than throwing a battery away when 80% of its components are fine and it's still got a lot of life left in it, if we can use that 80% and bring that all the way down to 0% ideally, then you're only really recycling what needs to be recycled and you can recover more, it's more efficient and all of that extra 80% means that you are paying back the carbon that went into producing and ultimately recycling many times over compared to what would happen in a traditional battery pack. So that's one of the reasons why it's so important. I mean, batteries are no different to fossil fueled vehicles or fossil fuels as an energy source or uh, in that they are finite resources. So lithium is a finite metal and so what we don't want to do is sleepwalk into a situation in, you know, how many ever years it is where our children and their sort of children are sort of cursing us for not treating the resources we have properly. Because, you know, we, we've squandered all the fossil fuels and could be the argument is we've squandered the fossil fuels and, you know, we, we don't want to do the same with, with lithium batteries as well. Yeah, that, that was actually going to be my next question was in terms of lithium being that finite resource. You know, if if we continue on the same trajectory that we're on currently, and if we didn't adopt, you know, uh, the kind of uh, technology that your company have developed, where do, where do you think we'll be in you know twenty years time, uh, when there are a lot more batteries that have been created and a lot of those batteries are just th- being thrown in the bin? It's I'm guessing it's not going to be a very good situation. Well, the scary the scary statistic for me is you know by 2040, from electric vehicles alone, we're expecting 20. Two million meters cubed of battery waste just from EVs. Wow. To put that in context, you could fill Wembley Stadium twenty times over, or St Paul's Cathedral one hundred and forty-five times over. It's a significant volume of batteries that we're putting onto the market with very limited avenues for for reuse or recycling. So the use is accelerating. Currently, we have one hundred, two hundred years worth of lithium supply. But if we if if we accelerate at the rate we're looking at, that supply you know, is going to dwindle, and uh, we need to make sure we're using the resources as effectively as possible. So for all, all those batteries that have already been created in the past and haven't adopted this kind of circular economy kind of view, 
Could you technically get those old batteries and recycle them into new ones, or is as their chance, you know, gone? Yeah. So, so, so the good news is that you know we're, we're, it's still relatively early in the in the adoption of of lithium batteries. So, if we look at sort of how many batteries are being produced annually, new batteries uh, in 2015 there were there was one gigawatt hour of production. Um, in 2020, that was 350, um, and that's forecast to be over a terawatt hour of battery production. So you can just get a sense from that how you know, how much it's scaling. Um, we can absolutely reuse uh, other other sources of batteries. Um, this is something we actually do in Kenya. So we have a small team in Kenya, and we're reusing batteries that have lived a first life in the off-grid solar sector. So they don't just have to be electric vehicle batteries to be reused. We can reuse batteries from a range of different sectors. And in Kenya, so we are reusing batteries that have have powered devices and people's homes and creating repurposed battery packs from those for, for reuse. And in terms of the actual materials that you're using to, to create these batteries, you know, we, we've spoken a lot about lithium, but are there any other alternative materials out there that could be used for, for making batteries? Are, are there other alternatives that you're actually considering? So lithium is here to, to stay. The CapEx investment, um, so the, the amount of money that has now been invested in production of lithium batteries is just huge. So generally that that's the trend that we're going for with energy storage so there may well be alternative chemistries that are being researched so sodium chemistries for example uh, which is more abundant than lithium but the time it takes to get from a laboratory laboratory bench where they're sort of testing powders into a device that's actually powering something is long so you know the first you know, lithium batteries were invented the first sort of major lithium battery chemistry was invented in the in the 70s the first commercial use of lithium batteries was in the 90s in the sony camcorder and it's only now in 20 well from 2015 really that we've seen large-scale production start of lithium batteries in a whole variety of different sectors so it's a long gestation period and so even if there's a the best material now that's been developed an alternative chemistry alternative approach we're looking at a significant length of time before that that is on the market and being used wide, widespread and wide scale. Let's go back to that jerry can uh, metaphor that you used earlier. L- let's say that I've bought one of these battery jerry cans and I've had it for, you know, six, seven years. In that time, you would have developed some new updates and upgrades. And, you know, th- th- there are kind of two parts to this, two questions almost. The first is what kind of upgrades and and developments uh, could we expect to see in the next decade or so? And secondly, when these do come about, how do you actually go about installing that into this jerry can battery? How do you actually upgrade it? Yeah, so the nice thing about sort of cell formats is that they're pretty standard. So within a sort of same format of cell, you can get different chemistries. And every year there are new chemistries coming out. So for some some use cases, it's imperative that the latest chemistry is used and the latest, um, you know, that, that sort of upgradability is built in. And so I think it really depends on the use case uh, for that for that to be done. So we, we have done that. And because uh, sort of so far our volumes are quite small, we're able to do that ourselves. Um, as time goes on, of course, uh, you know, we're looking at we're looking at the service infrastructure through partnership and partners to be able to to, to be able to do this. Great example or great way you can see this is if you look at the very first generation of Nissan Leaf, there was a 20 odd kilowatt hour pack powering that vehicle. And now in that same form factor, there's 45, 50 kilowatt hours. 
the size of the vehicle hasn't changed. It's just that there's more and more energy being packed into a into a given space. So within that same form factor, you may go from having a let's say a one kilowatt hour module to perhaps maybe one and a half, two kilowatt hours at some point in the future, um, because it's just the, the rate of innovation and change in this space is so quick. One thing I've seen many other companies uh, doing or, or developing right now are you know, batteries that you can actually install into your home and you can charge them up off the, the grid or by using photovoltaics on your roof, for instance, and then use that power over time. Um, is that something that your tech allows for? Is that something you're looking to, to expand into and develop into? We, we, do, have a, we do have a product. Uh, it's currently going through a refresh at the moment, um, but we do have a product called the Offgen, which is exactly that kind of system. So it takes the exact, it literally has eight of those jerry cans inside the cabinet, uh, alongside the sort of electronics and the power converters and all the other sort of bits and gubbins that you need to, to make a, a functioning system. So it's a plug and play system and it, it enables uh, you to use your own solar if you want to or be able to sort of charge when the when it's cheap to charge and use the electricity when it's expensive. So that's that's sort of what you can do with it, along with sort of, you know, new new things like agile tariff and, and sort of some of the some of the sort of changes that are coming to the UK grid. So where are you actually expecting to see the biggest demand here over the next couple of years? Is it going to be homeowners, individuals who want to install one of these battery units into their home or, or their flat to charge up over the day off the off the grid or, or whatever and to then use the power later? Or is it going to be businesses or, or manufacturing? Where, where do you think that demand is going to be biggest? I think it depends on on uh, on the geo market. So you know where where exactly it is. So the UK has historically been quite conservative with these technologies, uh, but other parts of Europe are really sort of are really keen on the technologies. So definitely sort of residential storage, also commercial and industrial scale storage. So again, taking the exact same jerry can that we've got, we're able to plug those into a you know server rack style uh, housing, and then able to offer you know fifty kilowatt hours or. Uh, multiples of 50 kilowatt hours for commercial use so you think about powering factories or again those data centers or telecoms sort of stations uh, that kind of application and there's huge demand there for that because there is a there's so much sort of awareness now of right to repair and and sort of sustainability and and products like ours which are which are tuned for the circular economy just speak to the speak to the the users of the of the technology who want the best without compromise and you mentioned a moment ago that home gen unit that people could buy and install into their homes but are there any other projects or, or products that are currently in the pipeline being developed that we might see being released in the near future or is that all top secret <laughs> yeah so um it's, it's, it's nice, isn't it, to, uh, to think that we have anything that's top secret in this day and age. One of the things that we're really keen on is the ability to, to locally service the batteries. So we're, we're working on some concepts of how to do that. So being able to have you know, an all-in-one containerized battery repurposing facility. Um, so this is something we're trialing in the next 12 months or so with partners in, in Kenya, for example. So being able to put a, put a battery service station inside a migrant camp or being able to put that inside sort of, you know, village to be able to enable the local local population to service their own battery waste and, and batteries that they have. Uh, and not just batteries, it's interesting because it also, you know, there's an ability to service and, and perhaps reuse solar products as well. So it's, it's making the most efficient use of our resources. And you must be expecting quite a big demand in the near future from other countries, other nations around the world, 
like those countries in in Africa, for instance, uh, where they're currently going through the process of upgrading their national grids, or many homeowners are actually generating their own power. Yes, huge amounts of huge amounts of demand. Um, I think it's also there's a there's a general acceptance that uh, being able to reuse and repurpose and remanufacture aids in supply chain uh, sustainability as well. So, and security of supply chain uh, because if you don't need new parts all the time, then your reliance on you know the one or two hubs where they're manufactured is reduced. So one last question I'd like to finish on is, you know, if I spoke to you in, say, five, ten years, where would you hope Acceleron Energy would be? You know, where would you be by that point? What would have happened in that last decade? Really good question, Jack. So um, we're still relatively young and small and still trying to figure out our way. Uh, we've, we've been fortunate to have impacted positively something like 150,000 people uh, in the world. And we really want to see that that impact maximised. So in 20 years, I will be really proud. Uh, I'm, I'm already really proud of what the team has done, but I'll be even more proud uh, if we can if we can break that 100 million people around the world impacted uh, number. So that's something that would be amazing to achieve. Yeah, that would be fantastic to have that knowledge that you've transformed the lives of, of so many people, but at the same time have helped benefit the planet in some way too, you know, that knowledge would be would be fantastic. Yeah, I think um, there's often misconception that it it's mutually exclusive to do good or do well. Um, and I think we have an opportunity to use technology that really positively impacts people and creates sustainability down the whole supply chain as well, creating lots of jobs and opportunities for people. And that brings us to the end of the show. A huge thanks to my guest today, Amrit. If you want to discover more about anything we've discussed in today's episode, then do have a look at Acceleron's website, which I've added to the description. And this is also the final episode of this season. If you've enjoyed it, then please do leave us a review and share it with your friends and family. If you'd like another season, then please do let us know in the comments. I've been your host, Jack Sheeran. See you next time.